Hello, hello, and welcome back to DFT's Dungeon. My name is Daniel Terry, and on this episode, I decided to invite somebody that is very near and dear to my heart, and that is my own flesh and blood brother, Roger Terry. I thought this would make an interesting episode because Roger and I, despite having a lot of similarities and obviously growing up together, turned out to be very different people overall. And I just wanted to explore that in an episode and just see how all of it ended up working. Because I don't think he and I have ever really talked about it and ever really talked about our musical differences. So I really hope you guys enjoy this curveball of an episode with Roger Terry. Let's get into it. Everything's bright and new and interesting again. I think this will be really interesting for my listeners as I've shared quite a bit of my past on this podcast. Most of season one was about my past and my formative years. And so I thought it would be really cool to sit down and have a conversation with somebody that is so different from me and yet so the same. (laughs) Right. And so uh, I think that a lot of the people that are listening to this probably know a lot of my origins with music and stuff. So why don't we start with yours? Sure. I think my origins with music, I mean, some of my earliest memories are, you know, Christmas music. And, you know, we went to the Salvation Army. There was a big, you know, big, big bend to the the message, the ministry um, through music. You know, I played later, you know, we, we kind of went to the Salvation Army t- two different times you know when i was young really young we didn't necessarily play instruments but there was always a lot of singing and um, that was a very big thing right and i don't know if you necessarily remember as much of that Um, we were pretty small i think i've got a picture there where maybe i'm three okay yeah i don't remember us singing when we were three i remember that we used to sing on stage at the pentecostal church yeah, that was going to be my next thing, is I remember that was really the first time I think I sang in public. But there was a, I think there was a big, big influence on that music because, you know, I think that church styled itself as a kind of a country church in a, in a city. There was definitely kind of a bluegrassy gospel, you know, bend to the music. It was definitely very lively for a group of people that were like not really into rock music or pop music, but there, I mean, some of those songs, they, people would, people would really, really get into it. Yeah. Well, I remember you and I singing like swing low, sweet chariot together, you know, up on, I'm going to say stage, I guess it was at the pulpit, different venue, right? The salvation stage. Yeah. That's, um, you know, my biggest origin was you know was learning about music in church and then you know as we got older we picked up instruments and you know played and sang you know i think our family i don't know you know april played the piano i played the trombone a brief stint on the trumpet you played the drums and guitar a little bit 
Yeah, I think that that's what's so interesting. Whenever I look at you in April, you guys actually had like a, a more of a musical education because I know that I I, dr- I joined band very very temporarily because <laughs> I started mm-hmm. I joined band because because you guys were both in band, mm-hmm. and I wouldn't say our parents necessarily told me I had to take band or or pushed me in that direction. Our parents have had a tendency to sort of encourage us to go with the flow sometimes. Yeah. You know, yeah. that's the reason why I joined drama club. I got into speech and drama and I love that I did because I had I actually had a lot of fun with that. And I ended up making a lot of friends doing that. But I remember joining band and uh, I'm a little bit oversensitive about things even back then, probably more so back then, where I remember joining band and I really wanted to learn music and we were just getting into it. But I never, I couldn't agree with the band teacher on what instrument that I should play because I remember I wanted to play the trumpet like our sister did. You know, the the band teacher was like, "Well, I think you would be better suited for trombone." And looking back on it now, like I remember being super pissed off about it. Like I, I made a huge scene and you know started crying and, and got all upset. You know, this is in middle school too, so it's like really like a little bit past the age to be to be doing that sort of thing. I remember getting really really upset. And I ended up just dropping out of band. And I remember mom and dad were really upset because they had just bought me like a really nice instrument to play. And I was like, yeah. I don't want to play this anymore. But I was always I was always somewhat jealous because I came up not really knowing how to read music. Yeah. And I, I kind of know now, like through through my own research, like own independent learning and, and things like that. But I was always really jealous of you guys because you had an actual like formal education in music and you know even now that that sort of thing never you know that's not to say that i think you could just pick up an instrument and start playing right now but you 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 could get on your feet running a lot faster than i could yeah you know i would say though you know the better part of 20 years i think it is actually 20 years since i left high school i didn't you know play my trombone really after that because the college that i went to didn't have a marching band and that was what i was most interested in let, let me take a step back. They did have a marching band, but it was no, it wasn't a good one. It wasn't one that I was going to spend my time, you know, being part of. It was no Golden Brigade, right? Right. How can you top that name? I think it's interesting because I was, I definitely got out of music, not out of music, but like out of that kind of music for a long time, because I think to a certain degree, I was a little bit intimidated because I had, I had a few friends in school coming up that were all you know, multi-instrumentalists, you know, they, they could play sure. piano, guitar, drums, you name it. And um, I always felt like kind of a, a pretender, you know, because like I, I knew a few basic concepts. And so when I would try to relate to somebody that was a musician, I would regurgitate out, you know, the things that I thought that I knew. And then people could tell pretty quickly that's like, this guy, this guy really doesn't know what he's talking about. Worrying about the imposter syndrome. Absolutely. So what would you say your transition into into the music that you enjoy? You know, we've talked about, you know, music that we we sang as kids and music that we learned or that, you know, some of us learned uh, in school. <laughs> and yeah. uh, what was the first thing that you really latched on to musically that you felt like was yours? You know, like it wasn't something that was taught to you or pushed on you. Yeah, um, that's a good question. I would say, honestly, as I, you know, when I went away to college, I really started exploring music a little bit more. You know, we'd listen to a lot of country music, and um, you're going to laugh when I say Dolly Parton. 
um, because, you know, our, our dad always really liked her music. I, but I hadn't really listened to a lot of her music. You know, I'd heard what was on the radio. I think we had a Christmas album of hers, but working through her entire body of work is an, an absolute delight. I'm sure some of your listeners are going to be like, mm, I don't know. But, um, <laughs> you know, when you talk, when you look at someone that writes songs and sings them and, you know, records them in a way that you, you can feel that they feel the music they've written um, is pretty powerful. And I, I'd say that she's probably one of the first people that I really started to do deep dives. Before then, I had never listened to whole albums of, of any, any artist. So, you know, there's that. I still listen to quite a bit of country music. Grew up in Missouri, grew up around that way of, you know, Midwestern storytelling that can come through in a country song. And there's something for everyone too there. Uh, for me personally, you know, when there's bad times, I like to listen to country. I don't know about the happy times. But, you know, I'll even say though that my, you know, my experience with music is so wild. I mean, even last Friday night, I was at a Janet Jackson concert. So I have a pretty wide, you know, range of things that I'm listening to and, and interested in. So you would definitely say then that your mood heavily will heavily dictate, I think, a lot of the times what your choices are. Oh, for sure. For sure. Do you find yourself listening to stuff? Be Like, let's say that you're having a bad day, right? I mean, none of us ever have those, but... <laughs> let's wish, say you're right? having it let's say you're having a particularly bad day do you do you listen to something in order to cheer yourself up or do you listen to something as a result of how you're feeling like something that something that would match mm -hmm. that mood or that emotion it's that's a really great question i think that <clears throat> a couple of things one is like sometimes you'll get up in the morning right and you're just dragging 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 and i know that i've got a lot of stuff to get done get going whatever so I've got a couple of playlists that are, you know, really rousing, happy, upbeat, fast paced music that I'll listen to. And then there's nights that you just want, you know, to have a glass of wine and chill out. And there's a whole mellow playlist, right? That just puts you in the mood to relax and let go of uh, maybe bad feelings or a, a particularly rough day. Interesting. I should try that sometime. I, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, obviously, this is not news for anybody else, but I guess for me, the the whole obsession with music thing came more so from, I think to a certain degree, isolation. Because like when we were younger, the only type of entertainment we really had in our house when we were going to the Pentecostal church was our radio. Because mm -hmm. if you remember, we would go to the library and we would get like books on audio and we yep. would listen to those. I, I was on a Star Wars podcast a couple years ago as a guest and they were all very surprised to learn that my introduction to star wars was through a star wars audiobook uh before i even saw the movie and i said yeah it's just the way it was when i was a kid you know for a while and uh that that was how we kind of experienced things and i remember mom and dad used to have all of these old records from when they were younger mm -hmm. 
and they had it was a lot of like it was a lot of like weird stuff like a mix of stuff from like the 60s and 70s mm-hmm. and uh there were but there were a couple of records that dad had in another box that was separate from the other records and one day we were just going through stuff and um i can't even remember what age i was at this time it might might have been like maybe nine years old, 10 years old, something like that. It was after we had stopped going to church or going to that church anyway. And dad was in one of his more jovial moods. Cause like so, a little something about our dad, our dad, you know, at, at a very young age, I considered our dad to be this like very strict, <laughs> you know, uh, <laughs> by the book, you know, he used to preach sermons sometimes at, at our yeah. church. Uh, is our, our family has always had kind of the gift of public speaking, which we'll we'll get into a little bit later. I remember him being like very strict or whatever. So it's always like weird, you know, when I was younger around dad. But as we got older, he loosened up like beyond belief. And so I find this box and I open it up and it's got like, I think it had like three Johnny Cash records, a Journey record, a Led Zeppelin record, and like, a few black sabbath records okay yeah and i remember like being like hey i've never seen it we should listen to him and dad was like we'll listen to him tomorrow Hmm. because it was one of those days where it was like just me and him at the house and uh so we listened to we listened to one of the black sabbath records and i i it was the coolest thing i'd ever heard you know what i mean i was like i was like this is this is way different than what i'm you know than anything that we because i mean you know like you said we listened to church music and right. you know sometimes we listen to oldies our mom listened to oldies in the car constantly so like a lot of those songs are like permanently etched in my into my brain mm-hmm. but um i'd never heard anything with like guitar distortion and like like the down-tuned guitar you know you had like ozzy osbourne's vocals were, were weird and, and creepy and eerie like because i remember thinking like he's singing but he's not like a particularly great singer you know right. but it's cool you know, he's not some virtuoso, you know, like Dolly, like, you know, you were talking about earlier, somebody that has this incredible range and, and can just go anywhere. And for whatever reason, that like really appealed to me. But I remember dad being like, if we listen to these records, you can only listen to them when I'm here, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. and then eventually that turned into, you know, just don't listen to them when your mom's around, you know, that was kind of like, it, it was a little bit of a forbidden fruit. Like it was like this cool thing that I found that only belong to me you know i mean they were dad's they were dad's records uh but (laughs) i felt like they belong i still have a couple of them but uh, i felt like they belonged to me i felt like they were they were my thing and what i didn't know is that like i was getting into heavy metal from like the 1970s you know i didn't really realize some of it some of it actually from like the mid 60s so i I didn't realize you know at the time how out of date i actually was So yeah, I kind of continued with that for a long time until I think one of our aunts or uncles for Christmas bought me a portable cassette, like a Walkman. It wasn't, it wasn't a Sony brand Walkman. Yeah. But I remember the portable I remember, disc player. No, it wasn't a disc player. It was a cassette. It was a cassette player. Oh, cassette. Oh, geez. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. We're going. Yeah. Pretty old school. And I remember getting that, and I would listen to it like all the time. I was that jerk of a kid in the car that would like sit there 
while the whole family was driving somewhere with my headphones in, just listening to whatever I wanted. But like back then, I didn't really have a lot of tapes, you know. And at the time, our family wasn't like hyper religious like we were like in the in my really early memories. I guess with you being a little bit older than me, you probably remember a lot of the like Salvation Army stuff. And I don't really remember a lot of that. So a lot of my earlier memories are from the Pentecostal church. I remember they kind of like our parents kept kind of an eye on what we what we watched or what we listened to and and that sort of thing. And so I remember the day I figured out that I could actually listen to the radio. I listened to the radio privately on my headphones where I got acquainted with, (laughs) with more modern music. And of course I had favorite songs and the day I figured out that I could just hit the record button when a song was playing on the radio. And so I had like, uh, I had like three or four blank tapes that I had commandeered AKA stolen. Uh, from the uh, from from the family collection of tapes and it was so funny because I had friends at school who would dub me tapes like I had a friend that would make me a copy of like you know master of puppets or (laughs) or something like that and and I would put it on this like unassuming tape and some of them were like old sermon tapes and if you remember how the way you would dub onto old tapes there would always still be a little bit of that original recording kind of lingering on the tape and so uh when i would listen to some of these uh some of these albums or these mixes that people would make for me between songs it would cut in like actual parts of sermons and so i always thought that was like it was super fun though like it was super cool like even now uh the very few of them that i still have possession of all have that unique quality to them and so i for me music was always kind of this very personal forbidden fruit you know like and i tried to keep it a secret as long as i could because at that time i mean nothing that we brought home or nothing that we were into unless it was something that our parents were already into it was bad you know and we weren't supposed to have it uh i don't know if you remember the third eye blind incident where i i tried buying a third eye blind tape from the mall and our parents wanted to like look at the actual tape like wanted to look at the lyrics and everything and that that whole i think it was like the, the the album that had semi-charmed life on it that whole album is just drug references <laughs> you know uh, throughout yeah. so that one didn't make it i i was i was the owner of that tape for about uh 27 minutes mm. did you and, uh, to listen to any of it absolutely not no. uh, like i i knew the song you know i, I knew the popular right. song but uh, but yeah, that was that was the end of that. I think they may have returned it. I don't think they threw it away. But uh, anyway, but yeah, so that that was kind of my origin, and I think that that is like what I liked about it. I liked having that sort of like in my head, privacy-driven sort of thing, because like, and I think you can attest to this a little bit. We kind of grew up in an environment where like a, a lot of the stuff that we would have liked naturally or gotten into naturally was just was not allowed. Yeah, 100%. I think, um, you know, people are always in shock whenever I'm like, oh, yeah, you know, most of my childhood, I didn't have a TV at home. And then, and then they say, oh, well, you, do you get this reference? Do you know this reference? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, I caught up, but. <laughs> right. You're like, I I am actually a man of culture. Uh- <laughs> yeah. I've experienced the world, I promise. Right. Yeah, it, it is always wild. I get that. People are like, oh, so you like you didn't play like retro video games. And I'm like, yeah, I play retro video games now. Like, what right. are you talking about? Um, right. But yeah, it. I asked you earlier about like, you know, do you go to 
do you go to music to cheer you up or you know that sort of thing and and for me it was always kind of music was always this like default for me so i think that to a certain degree music was always kind of a a, a reactionary thing for me in that like i listened to things that already matched my moods hmm. yeah, especially in the especially in the beginning so like if i'm if i'm having a bad day I'm going to listen to stuff that's like more like affirming to that, you know, stuff that's more of like me wallowing in my own shit or, you know, but if I'm happy, I might listen to like more upbeat music or I might, I've always viewed albums as like the same way that other people view movies or view books. To me, it's like, it's a very like prepackaged kind of, kind of thing uh, to be, to be kind of sat down and experienced and I think that was one of the holdovers from us only having a radio when we were kids was that, you know, my friends were shocked whenever we, we first started sharing music together that I, I could I could sit down in my living room and put a, an album on and just sit there and listen to it. And uh, that uh, apparently that's not like a thing too common with people, because I think most people listen to music as kind of a soundtrack to their to their day to day. Whereas I find myself being like, okay, I'm going to pause now and I'm going to listen to, you know, such and such thing and then, you know, reflect on it or whatever. One of the things that I think is interesting is how you, number one, like with us growing up in the same house and experiencing a lot of the same things, I think it's interesting to kind of compare and contrast. Like, I mean, I know it's an audio podcast, but if you could, if you could just see the difference in visual, uh, just that's on my computer screen right now. So like I'm sitting in a, in my setting, my I'm very low light in a, in a basement and Roger here is, is sitting in a well lit room. You know, he, my hair, my hair is white because I'm like old and have lived a long time, like very stressed out. My hair is like naturally white, whereas he has like a wonderful hair color that is that is not natural, but like actually looks good. It's <laughs> and a, so, yeah, Arctic white or something they call it. Yep. And he's got <clears throat> this wonderful shirt with flowers on it. You know, so that gives me hope that that one day I'm gonna I'm gonna get to that point of uh, not necessarily always trying to keep things on the downtrodden and on the negative, you know, which is sort of the sort of my awkward transition into kind of the other topic because another thing that that we have had in common, especially recently, uh, I feel like you a little bit longer than me has just been this kind of sort of taking ownership of of yourself, taking ownership of your life, and trying to find ways to improve the things in life that you're unhappy with. Would you say yeah. that's a pretty fair assessment of where we've kind of both been for a little while? Yeah, I think so. Both of us have, you know, got responsibilities in our lives, people that we take care of and win the bread, so to speak. And so I think, um, you know, as you get into your late twenties, early thirties and on, on through your thirties, what you need personally sometimes takes a little bit of a backseat while you're you know, making all these moves so that things will work out. Right. Um, so, yeah, I think that we both found ourselves in situations where we said, ah, we need to do um, some other things uh, to make ourselves happy, make ourselves healthier, you know, at some point. And I think COVID was a big situation for me when I, when I finally said, wow, okay, yeah, everything can just stop. You know, yeah. we've never experienced anything like that in our lives. So, um, 
you know, I, I feel like you and I have been on a similar path of trying to do some self-improvement. I know I've tried to lose some weight um, and just generally be healthier. But also I feel like uh, the other piece is building some healthier relationships, some deeper friendships. You know, I moved to Florida so um, I could enjoy the sunshine because life is short. Yeah. And I think music has in some ways supported both of us. You know, you've taken on you know, this whole podcast where you're doing, you know, all this stuff on your own and you're creating something and creating something is difficult work. I don't care how artistic you are, how smart you are, uh, how many resources you have to create something and give life to something that you can be proud of as hard work. So we, we sacrifice to do these things because it's important to us. But, you know, I think in some ways too, though, music has supported us. To, to do those sorts of things from emotional support to that decompression time we need. I'm not the interviewer, but uh, <laughs> I'd love to hear, you know, your opinion on how music has helped you in your journey of, of more self-fulfillment. This is going to sound a little, a little generic and I apologize because I don't typically like to employ cliche, but music is probably largely responsible for me still being like around, you know what I mean? Like there's definitely been things in the past that have happened that, um, some of the stuff I've, I've told the people listening uh, about and, and some other stuff that was almost just too, too hard to talk about, you know, music played a really large part in me getting on a road to self-improvement because I was kind of between a rock and a hard place at one point where, you know, like you were saying, like creating something is very, very hard work. And it sometimes is very draining. Even if you love it, it, it can be very draining and it can take up a large portion of your time. And uh, so when I was doing discography discussion, you know, we did that podcast for five years and uh, it, we did it every week for five years. You know, we, we never we never missed a week. Uh, we never missed our bonus content, you know, our, our Patreon content, because we were sort of in it to win it, so to speak. We were, we were trying to make that grind. We were trying to just grind our way through it because we thought that, you know, if we just put a little bit more time in, you know, it's kind of the kind of the sunk cost fallacy, right? Where you're like, if I just give it a little bit more time and I can't, I can't stop doing it because if I stop doing it, then all the time that I've spent up to this point has been wasted. That was very much the mindset that I was in. But the thing is, is that I was doing a creative project that was about music to the extent that I woke up one morning afraid that I was losing my appreciation for it, you know, because I had to listen to so much music to be able to talk about it, you know, mm -hmm. creatively. And I don't think I truly realized what it meant to me until I was in danger of losing it. When Dan Terry wakes up in the morning and says, do I even like music anymore? That's kind of a wake up call. For sure. You never want to get so wrapped up in something that it's not fun anymore. And I think so many people find that out when they try to turn ho certain hobbies into businesses. They realize, oh my goodness, this isn't fun anymore. I, I made a pan of cinnamon rolls a couple of weeks ago and Robson said, oh my goodness, these are the best cinnamon rolls I've ever had. You should <laughs> yeah. go into business making cinnamon rolls. And I said, um, I don't think so because it really took a long time to make this one pan and I wouldn't want that for myself. I did it as an enjoyable thing, but I would never own a bakery, even though I love to cook and bake. Yeah, me too. That is actually one thing that you and I have in common. I didn't even realize this until later in life, until after I got married, how much I actually enjoyed cooking. 
it's very relaxing for me. I get mm-hmm. to listen to a lot of music while I do it. It's fun going off of the established recipe and finding sure, something yeah. that works for you, which is also sort of tied to music. I think that's where that diversification comes from and that appreciation for other types of music. But back to back to what you were originally were asking, I was afraid I was going to lose my appreciation for music. And so the first thing that I, that I kind of did was, you know, I stopped drinking because that was, um, kind of clouding my judgment to to a certain degree like i was unhappy so i drank a lot in order to kind of balance that out sure you know so like if i don't feel good then i'm gonna make myself feel good right and that's such a hollow feeling right because eventually that artificial happiness you know fades away and then you wake up the next morning and you're, you're starting the whole frustrating process over again And I think it was once I realized what I was in danger of losing, that was when I was like, okay. And that's whenever I started texting you uh, last, I was probably about this time last year, I was messaging you being like, I think I'm going to start, you know, trying to do a little bit, you know, because I I talked about like trying to lose weight different ways. And uh, I had, you were giving me all these suggestions and I was being a shithead like I usually am. So, you know, because I'm the kind of guy that will ask you for advice. And then whenever you give me the advice, I'll just argue with every piece of advice that you give me because I expect everyone to know my exact situation and, <laughs> you know, all of that. You know, we, we had sort of stumbled on the fasting thing. And I probably I don't think I would have stuck with it as long as I did if you hadn't sort of been encouraging me the whole where you were like, yeah, I'm, you know, you were like, I'm going to start doing it too, you know? And so like, I know there was a couple of months there where we were sort of checking in with each other every day just to see, you know, how, how are you doing on your progress? How are you doing? You know, and if one of us was like, oh, you know, I really wasn't a saint today, you know, but there was still kind of a, uh, there was a little bit of accountability. It was accountability without the judgment you know, uh, that I, that I found really great with that. So, you know, then that all all of that is to say that it led up to the, uh, to trying to fix the main problem. I wasn't enjoying what was supposed to be a creative outlet. So yeah, at that point, you just have to do what anybody in that situation would do. You gotta, you know, either walk away from it forever. And, uh, I didn't want to do that because I still enjoy talking and I still enjoy recording my voice and I still enjoy telling people about things that i like that led me to just having to start over which was kind of the entire purpose of of doing this podcast was you know the tagline is rediscovering music and that's exactly what it is for me whenever i revisit these albums it's sort of capturing a piece of what made it so special in the first place it helps me remember you know why do i enjoy this what is the context behind why why i like this or you know why does this song make me feel a certain way you know yeah that's great i'm sure that's quite cathartic it can be yeah absolutely but also maybe even a rediscovery if you're really sitting down and analyzing you know what do i really like about this and maybe even discover something new that you don't you never really had your finger on why you liked it so much but you know that all of a sudden the lyric makes sense to you um or or something along those lines well, yeah. I mean, if you remember, you know, like with that Lorna Shore episode, I said in the, I said during the episode, I was like, yeah, this band was coming up around this time and everybody was really into them and I kind of liked it or whatever, but it wasn't, it wasn't really a hundred percent my thing. And then I had just like this really, really, really horrible day, you know, to, to coincide with it. And then, so whenever I listened to that band, I listened to that song. I was like, oh my God, now I get it. I had to kind of wait, you know, like I said earlier, 
I'm very reactionary uh, when it comes to, when it comes to that sort of thing. So sometimes, sometimes life has to happen a little bit for certain things to hit. Yeah, for sure. For sure. You know, a couple of years ago, we, you know, our family went through a bout of, you know, some sicknesses, you know, you and I were not sick, but other people were, you know, I feel like it was probably some of the first times I really felt out of control in a situation where I, I had no control over what was going to happen. And some music that I was listening to around that time just had so much new meaning to me. You know, I, a song that really always, I always think about it when it comes on my, my playlist, it kind of like stops me dead, but it's the song all along the watchtower by Jimi Hendrix. Oh yeah. Um, and there's this line in that song that says there must be some kind of way out of here, says the Joker to the thief. And I can remember thinking, how, how are we going to get out of this? Um, how, how is this going to work out? And that line, when I hear it, even to this day, sends a chill down my spine. There must be some kind of way out of here. Say the joker to the thief. There's too much confusion. I can't get no relief. Businessman there. So powerful. And now, you know, we're in a different situation. You know, these things are resolved and, you know, these people are okay now. But there was a lot of time spent wringing hands and saying, I don't know what I can do. I don't know how to handle these situations. All, all I can do is put one foot in front of the other. And it can feel helpless, but it can really be um, a lesson in patience, yeah. uh, a lesson in taking control of what you can control. Um, and some of that is, you know, we were talking about trying to lose weight, eating healthier. It's what you're putting in your mouth. Is it, am I going for a walk every morning? Because I know it's important for me to do that. Um, you know, those sorts of things start to emerge, um, you know, when you feel out of control, if you're, you know, dealing with it healthily, obviously we don't yeah. always have healthy reactions to these things too. For sure. Yeah, it's funny. I remember that because that was during that time that was when i was uh i was working at the dialysis clinic and uh at least one of the time there were a lot of a, a lot of <laughs> little mini there was a couple of years you know there were some mini scares you know that popped up uh, all over every time every time something would, would be re be resolved something else would rear its ugly head you know um and i think everybody can relate to that that's like everyone's life story right when it rains it pours but yeah, I remember being in the dialysis clinic and having kind of that same reaction because I was in a situation where, you know, I was like cleaning a water system or something. And I think it was uh, our sister had called had called me and asked me if I could come up, you know, and, and visit, you know, and it was it was really hard because I was like, I, I literally can't leave. And she was like, well, why not? Can't you, you know, don't you have paid time off? I was like, I, I do, but I, I can't leave because I have, I've got this giant, you know, 800 gallon water system that has bleach in it. And I got to, I got, it's going to take me at least five hours to rinse all the bleach out of it, you know? And that, so I had that, I had that same sort of like helpless feeling because then for the remaining time that I was there, I was worried something was going to happen. Right. You know, and there wasn't anything that I could do about it. And that was, that was the source of a lot of my anxiousness as a kid too, 
you know, because, you know, I, I got to the point where I was like, you know, there, there was a, there was a period of time where one of our parents got sick for an extended period of time and I was still in grade school. And I remember I was, I, I became, I was afraid to go to school uh, because I was afraid something was going to happen, <laughs> you know? Right. Um, and just always, always worried of always being worried about that, always being worried about every little thing. And um, there's actually an album I talked about at the end of season one, last season of the podcast which was uh zeo's liberate tex and ferris which uh translates to save yourself from hell it's one of my favorite records just like musically but it, it's always been a record that i will turn to in those anxious situations because a lot of it was written with that intention in mind like to sort of not necessarily relieve that anxiety or relieve that feeling of uneasiness but it's it's one of those relatable things it makes me feel better knowing this is a thing that other people have powered through before uh, enough to to express about it <laughs> you yeah. know in the form of music and so that type of relatability has always been kind of my bread and butter when it comes to turning to music to sort of help guide me through tougher situations like that You know, when I was talking earlier about how, you know, our dad used to used to preach sermons and um, he's probably one of the most talkative people I have ever met in my life. I mean, if you if you didn't want to know anything about him, don't talk to him. Right. Yeah. Because if you start talking to him, he'll he'll tell you. And um, what it, what I thought was interesting is, you know, we both had kind of started started off at the same started off in the same place in the same house you know the same background and you know we we sort of diverged away from each other you know even as children i don't think we ever like always shared the exact same interests you know no we didn't we definitely had different interests and you know i'll i'll be honest i don't feel like you and i were exceptionally close um you know for part of our childhood i think we you know like kids do you you argue a little bit and you bicker on this and that sort of thing i've i feel even though i'm living you know a thousand miles away from you um these last 10 years i feel closer to you now than i did when we were sharing a bedroom <laughs> as crazy as that sounds for sure yeah and well there, there was a little bit of like implied antagonism you know from both like every time you and i were had ever said anything to each other when we were kids we we always had a very what do you mean by that yeah, <laughs> you know type yeah. of attitude uh because you know anybody that has siblings knows that uh, and i having seeing it in my own children as well is just that sort of like you're my brother slash sister or whatever right if you're my sibling, I feel like I don't have to treat you as as well as I treat other people, right? Yeah. Um, you know, like I said, whenever we were not recording, was uh, I was like, yeah, well, I'm your brother, so you're stuck with me, and that's very much true, especially when you're when you're living at home. But yeah, I definitely feel a lot closer, and we've talked a lot more. I think I think some of it is just like part of the the natural seasoning of life. You know, we had to get out there. And we had to live a little bit in order to be able to actually see what we truly had in common, you 100% know, percent agree with that. And so I think, you know, like, like we were talking about with music, sometimes things takes, take a little while to hit 
some stuff has to just kind of sit in there and cook for a little while. But one of the things that I thought was really interesting is, you know, a few months after I had started doing this podcast, and I remember, I don't remember if it was you um, or our sister that said, I think it's really interesting that the stuff that you're doing now is much more positive, right? Because like, I don't think anybody that knows me or has known me for a long time would ever describe me as like a upbeat guy, like, you know, a go-getter or anything. And on discography discussion, it was actually quite the opposite. The thing that people liked about me and liked about that podcast was that we would go in there and just absolutely rip records to shreds. We would go, Mm -hmm. I'd go in there and be all like, you know, this sounds like it was recorded in a tin can, you know, uh, this sounds like it was recorded in a broom closet, you know, because that was always the type of content that was easy to get people to click on. Right. Because everybody, everybody likes to hear a little bit of shit talk. You know, people don't always like hearing about, you know, how you made positive life changes. Like, and I think on a certain level, people think that you're judging them. (laughs) whenever you whenever you start busting out all these great things that you've done right and so in that sense you know it was either you or our sister that said like oh yeah i like that this that this material is more positive and it's more self-improvement themed and then uh you know a few months later you know you started posting on instagram and it was just these sort of little unscripted kind of almost almost like thought of the day but like with a little bit of like encouragement it wasn't like a thought of the day you never signed in to a live and you were like you know what really happened to the supermarket today that really pissed me off you know uh (laughs) it was always some sort of little tidbit that you could obviously tell that you'd sat there and really thought about for a while just something that you felt like it was valuable to share and i thought that that was really cool because i felt you know beyond just the the family aspect of it i felt a little bit of a kinship there where i was like you know why not use whatever limited platform we may have to try to kind of impart not necessarily knowledge, but just encouragement to other people. Yeah. And, um, I, and that's part of the reason why, why I wanted to have you on, you know, for this episode was because I just think it's, I think it's interesting how, you know, I've been sort of trying to say this the whole time. I think it's interesting how we, we came from the same place, and then we went to very different places in life and now we've sort of arrived back, yeah. <laughs> you know, in the same space, even, even though, you know, you live far away from me, it's, it's really cool that, that we're able to feel, you know, that closeness and that we both do continue to have that same appreciation for music and the same appreciation for self-improvement. It's what this show has always been about. So it, it was kind of a no brainer to just be like, yeah, I think, I think we should have a, con-, you know, like quote unquote, an official conversation about it, you know? Right. Yeah. You know, the, um, the positivity, uh, piece is really, it's really important to me. And one, I don't think there's enough positivity out in this world. I think there's so much negative, um, you know, the news in general has just, you know, it'll get you down really easily. And, you know, I moved to Florida and I, you know, I'm living my beach fantasy. Um, you know, it's been really great all winter long being able to head out to the beach when I want to. It makes me really happy. It makes me happy that I'm in a place where, you know, the sun's shining. I, there, I'm somewhere I want to be. And, you know, I've, I've got a great job and I'm, I'm happy and I want to, give people something to think about because we, even though, 
you know, I think if you look at my Instagram, it looks all happy and fun and so great. That's not real life all the time, right? And so what I, I'm trying to do with those videos also is be real. You know, I'm going through usually whatever I'm talking about is something I'm going through today. Um, but I've gotten so much great feedback too from people that they're just like, yes, it's it's a lot more positive. It's not even more positive, but it's there's some positivity out here. It's different than something we're seeing on Instagram right now. And I thought I'll keep doing it until I don't get any likes anymore. Once people stop liking it, then I'll. And my my goal really is if there's just one person watches it and says, you know what, that's a message for me today. I think we have to in our, you know, our ministry to people, um, give them something, give them something to look forward to or make them happy or smile or even even just getting a smile out of someone can change the whole path of their day. You know, I think dad put that into us also. He was always ready with a little joke, a little levity. And that's, that's how people react to us, whether we like it or not. Yeah, it's one of those things that if, if you're negative like I am a lot of the time, it's like, well, if people are going to laugh at me. I might as well make it intentional, right? You know, right. and, uh, you know, hopefully, hopefully that did bring somebody something. I admire your thought process of you know we're trying to bring levity to people and make happiness for people and i'll be the first one to admit a lot of the content that i make is selfish i'm trying to make myself feel better about a situation so sometimes i'll put out an episode that is a little bit more negatively themed you know that is a little bit more downtrodden but i always end up whenever i'm done you know after i've i've it's it's one thing to have a bad day and complain about it it's another thing entirely to still complain about it, get it off your chest, but then to sit there with the creative process, you know, with my sit there with my editor and picking the right songs and picking the right record to pair with that those feelings and those emotions. You, you're you're putting it through this like creative hammering process, right? You know, until until you you you've created something that is no longer just like me bitching about something. And has now become something that other people are like, yeah, I've totally been in that situation before, or I'm going through that situation now. Or like we talked about earlier, it could just be something that people haven't experienced yet, but eventually one day it's going to hit, you know, right. and, and they're going to be like, yeah, that, that nasally guy from St. Louis that listens to Deathcore, you know, was talking about this, <laughs> you know, right. but I definitely admire your thought process of it, of it being a way to kind of minister to people, not you know, in like a religious sense, but just in a general, like human to human way of like, Hey, I feel you. I understand you. I know what's going on with you because it's what's going on with me. And I think mm -hmm. that relatability is to bring it back to music for a minute. I think that relatability is really what holds all of that together because music, you know, the essence of a recording is a captured moment in time that we can take and we can sort of apply to any aspect of our lives, anything to kind of make it easier to understand, easier to process. And I'll be honest, I wish that I could kind of come in with the attitude of like, I want to make somebody's day better, but uh, I'll be honest, a lot of it is selfish. And so a lot of it is just to, to make me feel better uh, more often than it isn't. Yeah. I mean, I guess at the end of the day though, if the end result you know, is the same. Does it matter? Nope. <laughs> Absolutely not. 
you've recently purchased a microphone and you know an interface and and some some podcasting equipment and um so what is your what is your thought process for uh what you're going to be doing with that i know you've already sort sort of planned out some things that you're planning on doing with that so uh what's your uh what's your vision well you know it's actually going to be called Raj's dungeon and I'm going to listen to a lot of, you know, somewhat obscure albums and be giving a lot No. <laughs> wow, bro. No. Cool. Uh, <laughs> so, Good luck with that. Um, right. It's not very profitable. So I got a lot of great feedback um, on the, the Instagram reels. And <clears throat> there's a friend of mine that uh, lives down here. And he said, you know, I really have been thinking about doing a podcast um, and I had been thinking about it. I've been thinking about it, you know, for six or seven years, but never did anything about it. And when he asked me, you know, I don't know, I think this was on Monday. He was like, we should do this. I said, you know what, let me get on Amazon and uh, stretch that Amazon credit card limit and see, (laughs) um, see what we can do. What I'm hoping to accomplish, though, is um, I have a very interesting circle of acquaintances, um, you know, friends, family, uh, friends of friends, and I uh, I have pretty good connections with all of them, and I want to bring one a little bit of you know new information into the world. Um, I but I also want to try to highlight how unique and special these people are. You know, I'm I'm not famous. I don't have a huge platform. These people are probably not going to gain, um, you know, great notoriety from being on my podcast, but maybe we'll see. Who knows? So we're going to do a little bit of lifestyle. We're going to do a little bit of relationships. Um, there's going to be a focus on communication in our relationships and talking about that. But each of these people bring different, you know, skill sets. Some of them are, you know, in the healthcare uh, industry. And we're going to talk about, you know, current things of the day, things that we should be thinking about. But some of them are in, you know, beauty. So we've got some hairdressers and some uh, skin specialists. And uh, so I'm going to do, it's going to be a little bit of an interview. Um, my friend Chris, though, that's going to do it with me, he's going to be the main co-host but there's going to be a lot of other people i actually my podcast setup is completely portable Uh, i even bought a special case because we're going to take it on the road too as i'm traveling you know going to interview people so going to be exciting i don't know you know how often it's going to come out yet we're going to have to see um, how much time i do have a a full-time job that keeps me pretty busy so we'll see what happens yeah, that full-time job is always a major damper <laughs> on on yeah. getting these things out. I've been blessed with uh with a wife that allows me to to do, you know, sometimes she's like, "Yeah, you know, go downstairs and talk to your special internet friends, you know." And uh and I'm like, "Oh, okay, great." You know, I so I've been blessed with that. One of the biggest perks, I guess, to doing the other podcast for as long as I did is I kind of came in with kind of a baked in <laughs> you know, uh listener base, which is which is really cool. I, I appreciate yeah. literally every single one of them. I think that's I think that's exciting though, and uh, I can't wait to I can't wait to tune in and uh, hear what you have to say. Even if I'm not interested in the topic, I'm still always interested in hearing what what your heart is behind it. You know. Sure. No, I appreciate that. 
Um, you know, I hadn't listened to your podcast as much as I should have over the years, but you know, I've been getting into it and, um, I, there's something special. I don't know what it is. Um, if we just have the gift of gab, but, um, I think, you know, both of us have relatability to people. I think you said that word earlier and that's what helps us get along with so many different folks and and what keeps them coming back thank you guys so much for listening to this episode of dft's dungeon Roger and I sat there and talked for another hour after we were done recording the actual podcast part of it, and we were just catching up. I guess related to that, it would be a good time to let you guys know that I'm going to be on a family vacation next week. I'm actually going to go down to Florida to see my brother, as well as maybe check out some of the other cool things they have in Orlando. With that, there will not be a new episode posted next week because it's kind of hard to find time to record a podcast during a family vacation. But I can assure you that I will be back the week after that. That would be a good time if you're itching for more content to maybe check out some past episodes that you may have missed. And uh, guys, I just want to thank you so much for sharing these episodes with people that you think will find value from them. Word of mouth is absolutely the best thing you can do to grow a podcast. So I really appreciate you guys doing that on my behalf. And if you guys have any questions for me, do not hesitate to reach out via email. You can send me an email at dftdungeon at gmail.com, or you can follow me on the various social media platforms, including Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. But the main place that I like to hang out online is my Discord server. The DFT Dungeon Discord server is the real dungeon, not the podcast. That's where listeners of the show, as well as myself and a lot of the guests that we've had on the show, like to hang out there. We like to share memes, we like to talk about music, we like to talk about life. So if you want to do that stuff with us, then I hope to see you there. There'll be a link in the show notes that'll take you to the wonderful world of Discord. Hope to talk to you there, but if I don't, that's okay, because I will see you again in two weeks. Going all prior advice and full warning, and we mighty full of ourselves all of a sudden, are we?